0: Welcome in to the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie, Jake Wilson on the ones and twos, and you. We have a lot of stuff to get here to here today. Looking back at the National Championship, Jack, which was the one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was a pretty bad one. Pretty brutal. What does TCU's loss mean for the Big 12 Conference going forward? I know we got a lot of new teams coming in, uh, changing the guard, but... It's really going to be difficult to get over that, so we can dive into that. Um, also, you have the way-too-early top 25s. Uh, we got a trio of them that we found. Uh, you there's some teams you really like. Yeah, there's some teams I really like, and a couple teams
1: where I'm like, they're not going to end up there if they even <laughs> stay in there long next year. So we'll it's,
0: dive into that, too. Get into that. And then basketball segment, we will get into Chris Beard's replacement down on the 40 Acres Um who is Texas going to hire, and just how
1: many different SEC and Big 12 coaches are going to be put on the watch lists for this? It's,
0: it's really intriguing, man, And uh, but let's, let, I guess let's dive into this national championship game. Let's do it. I uh, Coming into this last week in our first episode, I was the ignorant person who said, this might be a low-scoring affair. <laughs> um, that, I was wrong. I was wrong. It happens uh, to the best of us, but... Man, TCU come out, and I don't know if it was the moment. I don't know um, if it was just seeing the size of Georgia's players. I, I don't know what it was, but they were lost from the opening kick. I mean, they never could get in sync. Max Duggan could never really find that magic he had all year long. Um, he was really out by Stetson Bennett, who is – look, I don't want to take anything away from Stetson Bennett, but he's not a game-changer. Like, it, he's he's a he's a good – Manager, He's a time manager, a possession manager. He's a manager. really good game manager. He's a game manager, man. But, uh, you know, let, let's get into this. 65 to 7. Uh, we had our watch party going on. Yep. Uh, a lot of fun. What was your biggest take? Like, when you see the, the game starting to unfold, when did you see it really getting away from the Frogs?
1: I mean, it was probably getting to, what was it, 24 to 7? That's when I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I mean... You just you see TCU who's supposed to have all this team speed and fly around, hit guys hard, and just be going crazy. Like, you know, sometimes it, sometimes yeah. it works better, sometimes it doesn't, but they weren't flying around. Brock Bowers was getting open at will. He's a dog. Vlad McConkie, who the best love him, name you like you like that name, best right? Best name of the championship <laughs> game. But like, I mean, he was a walk-on for a reason. And he's getting open. He's scoring. Stetson Bennett has two, like, walk-in
0: touchdown runs. I mean. That was, okay, I want to get into that because that was something that really caught me off guard. Like, I've watched Georgia a few times this year. Obviously, I'm an LSU fan, so I keep an eye on the SEC. But I haven't seen Stetson Bennett's athleticism like that. And maybe Maybe that's on me. Maybe I haven't, you know. Paid much attention to Georgia this year. But that really caught me by surprise. I thought we would see Max Duggan be the one to kind of change the game and and use his feet, because that's what he's done all year. But seeing Stetson Bennett do that fake, and Jacob, I know you brought it up, completely shook the cameraman, had us all like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. And he could have said I I would have done this, and maybe this made me a petty. I would have literally walked into the end zone and looked at (laughs) everybody and just laughed at him. Like, give me the 15-yard penalty. I don't
1: give a damn, man. Yeah, I mean. Hey, he he was more deceptively athletic between the two quarterbacks. He was the more deceptively <laughs> athletic. Oh no, doubt, man.
0: Hey, the look. I don't want to the, the team speed thing. I think that was one of the. And I don't want to take anything away from TCU. They are they're they're extremely fast. They are extremely athletic, but it's like a different beast. And Georgia did such a good job sideline to sideline. TCU could never catch an edge against them. Um, I, I thought D. McCardo played solid, but. He, the line could not get any push against the front seven from Georgia. And it, it was just brutal night all the way around. Man. And it always seemed like there was a
1: guy kind of like getting to Duggan, maybe not making yeah. him, maybe even making contact, but getting him unsettled in the pocket. But they, they also kept him from getting out of the pocket. Yeah. Like they did a good job containing and having someone flash in for some kind of pressure to get in his face. And I was amazed at how little Duggan ran the ball. I know that they struggled to get first downs. I mean, I right. think they got nine first downs and seven points through the
0: night. Something, something like like that. But yeah. I, I was I was amazed by it. Honestly, I, look, it's, it's shout out to Georgia, man. That was a hell of a game plan they did. And I think coming into this, obviously, logically, you know, you got to take away Quentin Johnson. And I wasn't expecting him to literally be a non-factor at all. The dude has one catch, and there was that one play. Uh, I, I think it was. It was either late in the second quarter or early in the third, and Quentin was out in the slot, and there was nobody off of him. The defender had about a, he had about a 12-yard cushion there, and Duggan could have easily taken the snap, maybe one or two-step drop, hit him, and let Quentin run. Uh, instead, he elects to let Quentin go on a fly. Um, he, tries to, he tries to throw about 15 yards. It's just incomplete, broken up. And that was just kind of the, summed it up. Uh, Trey hodges Tomlinson, uh, I was expecting him to kind of have a breakout game um, Used his athleticism that he's been known for. He's a ball hawk. I mean, he's undersized, but the kid is not scared. He he will play anybody, and he really got exposed. Yeah. Uh, you know that one uh, t- long touchdown pass. He thought he had safety help. Unfortunately, he but did not have safety he help. He did not have safety help. But I, I was looking so at that. That's more of a bone coverage thing. It's probably some miscommunication. That was a great plan, though. If you oh, look yeah. at the, the the receiver, I mean, they they took the the slant and just completely took the safety out of the the, the box for him, but. Do you think that really hinders his draft stock? Because I I don't know what his market necessarily was coming out. I think he's a hell of a player, but I know being 5'9", that's probably not what NFL people want to see. I just feel like the way he got exposed, if he had an opportunity, that was really going to hinder it.
1: Yeah, I mean, through the game, between that and the one time where he looked like he completely pulled up on making a hit, for some reason, yeah. on a running back, which is very uncharacteristic, it doesn't. It doesn't
0: help his draft stock. I don't think it hurts it that bad, but it definitely doesn't help it. So, what could TCU have done differently? Like, like it, I know you had Kendra Miller healthy, yeah. but well,
1: all right. and even then, it, I don't think it makes a difference. That's what I was going to say. Because look, like,
0: I, I'm all for Kendra Miller. I, I've I've been able to follow him since he was at high in high school. Uh, tremendous player, tremendous kid. But TCU I don't had thirty six
1: rushing yards.
0: You, I'm what? sorry,
1: but. Yeah, according according to the, to the USA uh, Sports Data site, TCU had 36 rushing yards. And even if you add Kendra Miller back, if you hold any Power Five team to 36 rushing yards, I I I don't, I don't see a world in which Kendra Miller makes a big enough
0: difference. Stetson Bennett had 39 rushing yards. <laughs> you telling me Stetson Bennett outran the whole damn TCU team? Like that is ridiculous, man. I, all right, so Stetson Bennett, I want to get into this. When when you look at what they were able to put together, I think they had, what, just two drives where they didn't store touchdowns, and he has this swan song at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, What are your takeaways from him as far as a college quarterback? Like, I, I, so I've come across this tweet from uh, Connor. He's not o- eligible
1: for the Hall of Fame. He's
0: not eligible for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. How the hell do you have two national championships, MVPs, and you're not eligible for the College Hall of Fame?
1: Because apparently you have to be an all-American.
0: Is now is this something where the NCAA is just neglecting their ability to be relevant in any case? I, I think
1: I think it has to do with actually the Hall of Fame. I don't know if it's run by the NCAA, but the, I think it's kind of like a weed out. Like a, uh, it's just simpler. We have so many kids playing uh, like every year that we just have to be like, you have to be an all-American to get in.
0: Yeah, but that's ridiculous.
1: Exactly, and we ran into this with uh, with Mike Leach and the winning percentage thing for coaches, where he's like .002 or something short on the winning percentage to get into the Hall of Fame. So I, I figure there'll be a push to look at it, but I don't think anyone's going to forget Stetson Bennett anytime soon, especially in Athens.
0: I don't think they will either, and it's it's crazy to think that when you look at somebody have a career the way he did, how are you if you're the guy who's got to follow that up? I mean. Think about the expectations you're having to walk into. Oh well, Kirby Smart will
1: just gaslight him into not worrying about that because Kirby Smart, I'm sorry, he is a master. He's a master of rat poison. He, he really might is. be better than Saban at it.
0: Well, he learned from the he he learned from the yeah. Master. Well, the student
1: might have become the master now. I, I think he has to because how how does this entire team sit there and firmly believe? Like I bet they could pass a lie detector test saying. We know people said we were gonna go seven and five when no one anywhere in the world with their right mind <laughs> would say that they were gonna go seven and five. Even eight and four, nine and three, 10 wins. This team was always gonna be a 10 win team, always and forever. I, and man, somehow
0: they believed they were gonna go seven and five. It's really mind boggling. And I think going back, and if you have an opportunity, I'm sure everybody or most people who listen to this, have had a chance to listen to his uh, uh, Kirby's pregame speech. I just did right before the show. I will run through a damn wall sideways for you if I hear that. It was really insane. And then even in the pregame when Holly Rowe was interviewing him, he's just real nonchalant. We're going hunting. Like, their mindset was like, I don't know how you get to a point like where one team could have that kind of mindset and one team can look completely oblivious of the moment the way that we, we saw it unfold.
1: Yeah, I mean... It it stinks when uh, that kind of stuff happens, at least for the TCU side. But you gotta have been there. You gotta have some kind of experience. Uh, I don't know Dyke's full coaching history, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't been on this stage yet. And I know none of those players at TCU had been on this stage. Mm-mm. So you gotta go there and you gotta learn. And that just that was brutal because that was a learning experience. That was the biggest learn, capital L.
0: Do you think – all right, so I was thinking about this, and I know when you look at uh, what Tennessee was able to do this year from, from their offensive standpoint, and they run in a very similar style to what TCU's offense is. And for years – you know, and look, you say what you want to about the man, I, I'm not in his corner, but it really all goes back to Art Browse and what he brought at Baylor and that, that wide-open offense. But the one Achilles heel for it has always been, well, you can't win a big game. You can't win a title with that offense. And I think when you look at like Garrett Riley was just completely lost at times on the sidelines. Um, I think he was really out. Man didn't know what to do from a schematic standpoint. And if you're somebody who relies on that offense consistently, you know like you're a Tennessee who is in the mix right now. They really think that they can take a step forward, or even a UFC. We'll get into that. Does UCF? that? Does I mean USC? USC. Sorry. Does does that hinder, or does that add fuel to the fire for the haters on that style of offense? In your opinion. Um,
1: I don't think it should add fuel to the fire because I think you have to have the personnel to execute the high level. Everyone knows those games are won and lost in the trenches. Everyone looks at that game as like, TCU really started losing it in the trenches. And you can have great offensive linemen in that scheme. You just have to get them on campus. Now, if that's a problem of the scheme that great offensive linemen don't want to play in it, mm-hmm. that's a separate issue in my mind. Because I think that an air raid offense can and will eventually play for a championship and win a championship.
0: Well, I mean, we're seeing, uh, I I wouldn't say full on air raids. You're seeing the spin-off offenses, uh, Saban adapting and and starting to spread it out more. So that's what I mean. Like we've, we've seen it and at Bama,
1: they've done it at the highest level.
0: Yeah. But I think when you look what I'm like compared to what I think they run more of a, a pro style spin on it per se than what you're seeing here. So I think that's the one difference. Uh, It's just really intriguing. But watching the game, like, once it really got out of hand uh, after halftime – we all started like kind of turning our attention to the internet, and you started seeing all the memes coming out. Oh and, yeah, and the hypno toad at halftime. At halftime, they were able to do that at halftime. So, so when Georgia dropped the the hypno dog situation, and look, don't mind, we have a technical difficulty. Yeah, we're don't trying to get it Don't mind the fixed. board. We will get to that in the break. So when Georgia dropped the hypno dog, that kind of does that. Put to bed this hypnotoed right. Like they can't. TCU cannot I, come back with the hypnotoed
1: right. I really hope. And like, yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, maybe that's why they were winning so many close games this year. They they had that little hypnotic magic, <laughs> getting you know getting the other team to fall asleep at just the right moment. But it's done now. I'm sorry. Not only do you have the ability to post it at halftime, knowing full well you're not blowing this lead. No. They probably could have posted it earlier. And then on top of all that, they didn't just go for, oh, we're going to do, like, some ripoff of it. They went full, we are doing the hypnotode, but it is a dog now. We're going to call out that it used to be the Hypnotoad, and we're going to call it Hypnodog.mp4. Like, we do everything <laughs> the same as you, and we do it better.
0: So, what do you think as far as, like, where does the Big 12 go from here? I feel like this really kind of gave it a black eye. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I don't think we can, uh, we can fully fully go through that in like five minutes. I think we need a full segment on this. We're that. going to
0: have to get a full segment, and we will do that next. Uh, we're coming back here. We're going to have a deep dive into what's next for the Big 12. Obviously, you have a change of guard, you got some new teams coming in. Um, but let's get into what this does and the negative or positive impact it has on the Big 12 going forward. You're listening to the College Chaos Podcast. <laughs> To the college chaos podcast, Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and we got a hot button topic here, Jack. And oh this is one boy. that me and you, oh man, you're calling me an elitist, and I, yeah. I kind of hurt my feelings. I don't know how I feel well, about this. I think this. you deserve
1: it because
0: what did you say before this show? So, all right, I'm on record multiple times um, throughout the course of the, the announcement of the new Big 12 of saying that that's a glorified American conference. I can't believe that is a glorified American conference when it comes to football. Now, you're you're not feeling me on this. Heck no. Heck no. So, look, dude, we saw what happened to Cincinnati last year. And that was a Cincinnati team who had Luke Fickle, who is a tremendous coach, and they couldn't get over the hump. Now, Fickle's gone, and we, and we kind of talked on our first episode about Cincinnati. I'm not sold on them. I'm not sold on Satterfield or anything. Then TCU goes out and just gets, oh, my God, man. Like, you couldn't ask for a worse showing for a conference. Brett Yormark's out there just trying to sell this thing, and, and, and he's giving it hope. But then you do that? Like, w- w- that, man, I was sitting there wondering, like, what the hell is going through Brett Yormark's head this entire time? that this is unfolding. I don't think,
1: one, that the cin- Cincy comp is very fair. The hump for them was getting into the playoff as what was then a group of five team, and they didn't even get blown out by Michigan that bad.
0: Okay, they didn't. But the thing with me is there's a major talent disparity across college athletics, and I think it's always been there. I'm not trying to say this is something brand new. I'm gonna, look, college athletics has never been fair there's never been parity in college athletics nope but i think right now we're to a point man especially in the nil era where it's so much more difficult for programs like teams in the big 12 like teams in the pac-12 hell most of the teams in the big 10 there's just a handful i'm not and i'm not look i'm not saying the entire sec is above everybody i am saying that probably half of the sec is above everybody
1: is that, you, so you're, I mean, is you're that walking fair? You're walking this back now. No, okay. It feels like you're walking it back. I'm not walking it because, back. Because when you said that the Big 12 is looking like an American conference, my next question has to be, so what conferences aren't American conferences? Is it the SEC and the Big 10? Is that it? And then when you dive deeper into that, the Big 10 West definitely is not at that level. Not the same as the SEC West, the Big 10 East. and. Right after that, I'd say probably the SEC East.
0: I think the SEC is, is head and shoulders above everybody. And I think the Big Ten tries to ride the coattails of Ohio, mainly Ohio State. Okay, Michigan now somewhat to an extent. Um, but I think they really ride the ho- coattails of Ohio State and their success. To, to And look, a lot of the credit goes to Kevin Warren. I think the way he's come out and, and taken the ESPN, Greg Sankey motto of we're going to promote this and push this as we're better than everybody, and you start getting people to believe it. The difference is the SEC is reaping the rewards of a decade plus of that where the Big Ten's just trying to start. And I think as the the game goes on and we see it progress, because right, right, right now Baylor won the Sugar Bowl last year, right? Great Great win for them. The Rose Bowl this year. Um, was kind of an afterthought. I know there was a lot of drama yeah. regarding its future and everything, but I think you're starting. I
1: feel like the Rose Bowl tried to create that.
0: Well, the Ro- of course, it did. It's the Rose Bowl. They're arrogant. They okay. think they're better than everybody, but they're not. You're Your to get po- left behind, Rose Bowl. Your point is. My point is that I think you're seeing such a big difference to where you're not going to be able to catch up. And, and I think if if you're going to like look TCU, you have one playoff win, right? Mm-hmm. It was great. Right now, there's a lot of teams out here looking at these bowl games like the Sugar Bowl, like the Rose Bowl. And whereas even two or three years ago, winning that was a damn big deal. I mean, it was big. Now it's like, oh, it's it's just Sugar Bowl. Who cares? Nobody cares. As this goes on and the playoffs expand, I think it's going to get to a point, I'm afraid it's going to get to a point, where within the next five to to seven-year window, you're going to see teams like TCU – um, oh, your Pac-12, Oregon State, I think you're going to get in there. Hear me out. I think you're going to get in there. You're going to win. You're cool, you win a game. Great, you won a game. And then you're going to get smoked. And then, and then, I think after about five to seven years, we're going to start seeing where the teams who win these playoff games are looking at them as we're looking at the Sugar Bowl now where, oh, cool, you won a playoff game. That's cute. That's cute. I think that's assuming blowouts, after they
1: win and they go face the bigger, better SEC team or the Ohio State, that's assuming blowouts. Once they start making it competitive, the fact that they get to play that next game, they win the, oh, whatever bowl, you know the, the earlier playoff game, and then they go, and if they can be competitive, if, I'm not saying that they will, but if they can be competitive, all of a sudden you have a direct yardstick, a direct measurement of, we are getting this close. You are giving people every reason to think in the future you can. You can come here and compete. You can. You can have that hope. You can have that belief. You can have that dream of bringing this program up to that level without that direct measuring stick. Moving to the playoff is good for parity, Moving, expanding the playoff, because then you have the opportunity to show you can compete. Will they actually take that opportunity? I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm, I can't fully disagree with you on that, that they can't – That like They very well, the SEC and the Big Ten, might very well be able to pull away. But with the playoff expanding, it gives everyone a measuring stick and the opportunity to show we can be on that level. We can get there. We are this close. We are this many points away. TCU did negative favors for the Big 12 in that, yeah, in that way. But, but who do they have to beat to get there? Michigan, the, the winner of the Big Ten this year. Mm-hmm. And over the last however many years – probably the second best program in the, in the Big Ten compared to Ohio State.
0: Yeah, it's I know Michigan usually, no, fans won't it, like
1: me saying that after the last two no, victories they it, have it really over is. them. But
0: you're the, you're Ohio, you've been Ohio State's little, little brother. So second best Big Ten program,
1: so second best program, the second best conference, and you lose to TCU. TCU showing that the Big 12 at the top end can compete with the Big Ten at the top end. So maybe the SEC is the one that can pull away. They are. But you, you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, it goes it goes from, well, these two conferences are elite to this one conference is elite. One conference is not going to pull away on its own. The SEC champion is not – No, it's well, not. No, for all intents and purposes, it's basically its the national championship. They
0: have to go and still win that. No, they I mean, the national championship the game teams. this year was Ohio State and Georgia, in my opinion. Well, yeah, after the fact. But, okay, so looking at this right here, who, who – All right, TCU, obviously, you're going to come back, and you're going to have – you are going to be pretty loaded, and I think they benefit more. All right, Texas OU are gone. I think TCU and potentially Houston have the, the best chances of benefiting from their location because you have so much talent in the Metroplex. You have so much talent in Houston, and these guys are going out, and if you get lost on a roster at a Georgia or you get lost and you want to come back home, Tommy Brockermire, JoJo Earl, Alabama guys – they're coming back to the Metroplex to play at TCU. I think that gives them hope. It gives them a better chance of competing than the rest of this. TCU's
1: a better spot than Houston.
0: Oh yeah, right now. Because you, you fail out of well, a Houston's Georgia. A culture issue. And
1: you fail out of a Georgia and you're from Houston, you're going to A&M or Texas. And you're staying in the best conference in the land.
0: You are, but okay. So right now, how long do you think it would take for like okay, we saw what happened to TCU and there's we, there's a major significant gap there. How long is it gonna take? for TCU to build up recruiting classes. And I think look, the portal's going to help. I think USC is a prime example of how quick you can kind of turn things around, but to what extent? Like I don't think you can you can't match the depth that what Georgia's recruiting. Like how long is it really going to take for one of these teams to win a national championship? I don't I don't see a team in the Big 12 legitimately having a chance to win the national championship in a decade. I don't. Do you see a team outside of the SEC winning in the next decade? Ohio State. I see I think Ohio State can do it. I think um, USC possibly if if you figure out your D div- and look, they're not going to a- figure it out. Alex Grinch, look, I, fans, I honestly think Lincoln Riley. Go.
1: I think Lincoln Lincoln Riley will lose a job before he hires a good D coordinator. <laughs> you, and if that's an ego issue, that yeah, honestly, my point being, so there is one conference. And one team outside that conference that you actually have faith will win a national championship in the next 10 years. One single team outside that conference.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that's not an issue for
1: the Big 12. It's an issue for everyone that's not the SEC. Okay, so then at some point. And the SEC alone cannot break away. They have to have at least the Big 10 with them.
0: In that case, they'd have to carry the Big 10. Is there a team right now in the Big 10 that you think. Can kind of step up and and help add to their persona what they're wanting to do outside of right. now It Has now, to be Wisconsin or Penn State, but that's their only hope, right? Like, so maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe look, Michigan State, but Michigan ah, no, that's a basketball been in the school playoff. through and through. They've they've been in the playoff. That's more than a lot of schools can say. I, look, man, I, I don't know. I just feel like, and look, I'm not trying to slight the Big Twelve when I say this. I just think that and it still goes back to my five to seven window theory or period. Um, I think that it's going to get to a point maybe where you need to start looking at separating kind of like you have right now with the FCS, FBS group of five. I know that, you know, pisses a lot of people off when you say group of five, but at some point to make it fun, because that national championship, there was nothing fun about that national championship, unless you're a Georgia fan. And I'm pretty sure some Georgia fans were like, Dude, this is boring as hell. I just don't think we need to overreact to one. The worst blowout year. ever. It's not one year. It's not one year, but it's is every year a blowout? No, but every year is pretty much the same thing. Go back to. Two, all right, pull it up. 2006. How many teams outside of the SEC have won a national championship since 2006? It was four teams. Four teams. Where's the parity? There is none. Like, it, it, you can't, it's, It's. I feel like you're going to have to get to a point where you separate it. And I think it would be I good re- for the game I as really, a whole. I really,
1: really want to make one point here. Okay. Is parody who wins in the end, or is parody how good the
0: game is? is how good the game is. Money wins in the end.
1: Yeah, so it's money that's driving it, not parody or lack of parody.
0: I know, and that's what I'm saying. Is, is go along with the parody and then throw the money. Throw the NIL. Throw the elitist recruiting from certain schools, a a certain handful of schools. All right, I'll draw this comparison. It's almost like, and a lot of people won't get this, but Texas high school football right now, it's such a big deal. When they, in my opinion, when they split it into divisions, I think they had, well, they had greed for more money but I think they were thinking it would help the game and it's had the reverse effect it's had a negative impact to a point where you got the same people winning in every classification you're in and you're out and now you're having to you're having talks about creating another division okay yeah. especially to help with 6A I think right now and the way things are going in the NIL until something changes where the NCAA finally grows a pair and steps in and I know it's not happening but something if we're going to keep going on this trajectory, you're going to have to get to a point where people to keep people entertained, because a lot of this is driven by, by bets. A lot you know, and that's something I know some schools, some programs don't want to look at or don't want to consider, but it is what it is. And I think for, from a competitive standpoint to keep people's interest, you need to maybe create a new division. And because look, I, while I say, but you just said it yourself, creating a new division doesn't help, but it will, it will, it'll make it more fun. I think it'll draw more interest because I think, look, at some point you're going to get bored with this, right? Like, it, you're a Big 12 guy. Yeah. Was it, is it fun all the time? Most of the time, yeah. That's fair. I mean, I think some people don't see. You got to be though. happy with where you're at, and if the amount
1: of money you make and the amount of championships, national championships you win, are all you care about, you're just not going to be happy unless you're the SEC. You're just not. The Big Ten's not going to be happy until they're winning as many, uh, at least half the championships. You know, unless they're splitting with the SEC. Because they're going to be on par with money at a certain point, or at least close. But they're not going to be happy because they're not winning the championships. They're going to be that, oh, well, if it's 1A and 1B, well, we're 1B. And everyone knows it. Right. So, you just, you've just you got to set the goalposts right. And this is crazy because when we originally talked about doing this segment, it was more of a, like, where do, like how is the Big 12 going to shake out as the new members come in and the OU and Texas leave and you know TCU they they came out of like nowhere this year. Texas Tech had a good year. P- after after last year people were saying Baylor and and Oklahoma State were probably going to be the new kings of this conference. Right. And then well we we had a segment last yeah. time about the troubles at Oklahoma State Woo. and clearly Baylor Baylor was bad this year for for their expectation level. Yeah, They were. So okay, so but let's- the, the 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 point of the point of where we went with it is just like we have to ask these questions about how viable the Big 12 is as a league moving into the future because of how bad that upset right. was. But I would just like to say I still think it's a one-off. It was bad. Records happen. Records get set every year in some way or another. And I don't want to write it off because a Big 12 team made the national championship game. One of these years, if they can keep every now and then getting a team into the semifinals, one of these years, I think it's going to finally happen. I think Someone you, will finally win it for the Big 12. I think you And the same up, goes for other conferences. Yeah,
0: I think you brought up a good point earlier. Um, you need a team outside of the collective whole to win every, what, one to five years to make yep. it interesting?
1: Every one to five is pretty interesting. And we're probably closer to one out of every 10 right now especially like SEC versus the rest, Mm. uh, and uh, even more so for SEC and Big Ten versus the rest. So, frankly, I should probably be rooting on uh, Washington more and Oregon State more and and Clemson more. Clemson, until they moved to the SEC, which is probably more of a matter of when. It's probably inevitable. But until then... I should probably be reading them on more. Florida State, I should be. I should be on the Florida State bandwagon this year.
0: I think a lot of people are about to get on that Florida State bandwagon. Let's look at the Big Twelve though. So you got these new teams coming in, and I look. I think obviously UCF is the one you're going to look to and say, okay, well they're going to come in and probably give the the most competitive um, frequencies across the, the board at first, just because of their success and what they do year in and year out. BYU is intriguing, um, obviously because they have a tracker and. I think that BYU has an advantage. They've got the unique recruiting pitch. Yeah, and you're going to be older and everything. But I think BYU has kind of an advantage over UCF in a sense from a scheduling standpoint because week in and week out from them being an independent, they play a pretty daunting schedule. I'm not saying it's up there with Notre Dame's, but you know what I'm saying. It's pretty close. Whereas UCF, I know they do what they can do – trying to schedule people outside of the American, but there's only – and then plus with their track record of upsetting people, a lot of people don't want to play them. So I'm interested to see week in, week out, what they can do in the Big 12. And I know I'm saying the glorified American, and that's kind of me being just a smartass. But I think it's going to be a challenge, and I'm interested to see how they can handle that challenge. Uh, But as far as right now, we're looking ahead to next season – who do you think are some of the front runners? Is it TCU if you had to go out on a, on a limb? Is it Texas because of all the talent they bring back? What, what are you looking at as far as the Big 12 next year?
1: I'm a little nervous about OU and Texas and what should probably be their final year because OU looked
0: – They look th- damn good against Florida State. Against
1: Florida State, who I believe will be a very good team returning a lot of talent next year. Um, OU and Texas are making me a little nervous, but TCU should absolutely be up there. I think the question really then comes after after like how much will TCU be able to to come back at that mm. that level? Losing Duggan, losing I believe Quentin Johnson will will be gone. He's got it, yeah. And uh, Tomlinson and they're, like they're they're losing their biggest names, but Dykes knows how to reload.
0: Chandler Morris, is, you know who your quarterback's going to be. So he won the that's battle that's in fall camp. camp, yeah. So, so that's, that's something you don't have to worry about.
1: But um, looking at the rest of the conference, though. Um, I don't really expect Baylor to be challenging for the crown. Maybe they can push for an upper half finish, like eight wins. Don't expect them to be challenging. Uh, Cincinnati, no. BYU, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I'm I'm kind of just going to be interesting. Kansas will be interesting to see next year. Not like I think they can compete, but I think they can
0: mess someone's day up. Kansas is fun because they are so chaotic. Yeah, and anytime you have a quarterback like Daniels, I mean that that's he's so electrifying. He's the ideal college player in yeah. my mind. Uh,
1: We should probably start uh, rounding off this segment. So uh, Kansas State's definitely one to keep an eye on. I I just love the climb and grind it out. Yeah. We are going to be competitive every Will year. Will Howard and Will Howard is just going to be better next year. So if I if I had to say the champion's going to be one of these four teams, it's going to be the two that played this year, and it's going to be one of OU and Texas. Those those are the four teams I'm watching as the front runners. And if I had to take one. I am probably going with, I hate to say it, but OU again.
0: OU, all right. Give me a Texas-Texas Tech Big 12 title game with the Horns winning on their way out to the SEC. Please don't give me that. Please don't give me I that. Am please, 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 that. Please, please. I am giving you that. I am giving you that. I really like what Sark's doing. I think Texas really needs to get something going, carry some momentum into the SEC. Well, it would be a black eye for the Big 12. I like what Joey has going on out Lubbock. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, Not unless you're a Big 12 fan. I think you're really going to hate that. But I I like where Sark has them headed, and it's going to be interesting. But how many of these Big 12 teams are going to be ranked in the top 25? Uh, There's already some way too early top 25 polls out there. We're going to take a deep dive into that next. And they are
1: so wrong, and they they are are so right sometimes. So we're going to have some fun.
0: Tricky, tricky. That's next here on the College Chaos Podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie, and Jake Wilson, holding it down from the producer standpoint. Man, and early, way too early. Top twenty-five,
1: way too early.
0: It's, these always intrigue me. I, I know there's a lot of debate year in and year out about the top twenty-five, and it really sets the the. I hate how it sets things up from the jump in college football, but they're so addicting. Like yeah. it, it, it's like a dirty pleasure you just go back to. Year I'd rather year say out. guilty pleasure, but you know, do your thing. Hey, <laughs> each, his own, each <laughs> his own. But no, all right. So I've seen a few different ones here, uh, but the first one I came across was from PFF, and I want to start there with this. I think it's a good place to start. It is. It's a great website. Um, so number one, they have Georgia. I think that's Easy. fair. Easily, and then you look at their schedule next year, there's really no doubt in, that, in my mind from that. Uh, number two, you've got Michigan. I think, obviously, having Blake Corum announced that he's returning uh, is going to lead there. You know who your quarterback's going to be. I still – with Jim Harbaugh, I don't like that man. I just – I don't. I don't trust him. So, it is what it is. So, I, then Ohio State comes in at number three. Obviously, you're losing C.J. Stroud. Which you're is probably back, why they're at three. Yeah, you're bringing back Harris, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Way. Uh, so or I know I butchered that name. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Florida State comes in at number four. This is the we're, we're going to get some more on Florida uh, yeah, State Florida later. Florida State uh, is legit. Uh, number five, you're going to have USC. Six is Bama. Seven is Penn State. Eight, Go Tigers, LSU. Tennessee, number nine, and then number ten, the Huskies of Washington. I I think look, man, when I see this, the I think for the most part they nailed it in my opinion, uh, I don't know. I've got I've
1: got a certain thing in here that uh, look.
0: Okay, I, what's 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 really your your hiccup? What's what's your main? Draw? My hiccup
1: is USC over Bama.
0: Oh, oh yeah, I do not. I'm on, I do. I'm on board not board
1: believe in the Trojan. Like you put those two teams on the field, I guarantee a Bama win ten out of ten I, times. And I, you know I, why? <laughs> because Bama plays defense and USC refuses to.
0: I always think of the, you. Remember when they played at AT and T Stadium and USC had yeah. the guys like trying to come out and the dog. And I'm yep. like, eh, you don't do that against Bama. I, look, if you, you got to try and act like a dog, you don't got the dog in you. Not at all. Not at all. Nope. I, I just look, man. This is Caleb Williams' last ride in a Trojan uniform. And I think they're really doing him a disservice by bringing Alex Grinch back. They really are. Like, and this is they're making if, him have to do everything. And you would think at this point, like you've gone through this at Oklahoma. You did it again this year at USC. You know what's happening. You're in and yeah. Like at some point, you figure Caleb would go to Lincoln Riley and be like, "Look, man, we're gonna have to fix something like yeah. this. I can't do this all on my like, own." He keeps putting up the stats, no matter whether OU, USC. Well, he puts up me. the stats. He he won the Heisman,
1: but if you're not winning with the Heisman Trophy winner, something is wrong somewhere. Yeah, and absolutely. And it's pretty easy to point out. It's the defense. So I'm sorry. I don't. I don't care. Bama's losing Bryce Young. They'll get another quarterback in there. They're going to have an offensive line that's solid and that can run the ball. And they'll lose more games maybe in the year? Maybe. Right. And they'll still be better than USC because USC won't play
0: defense. The one team... Okay, so when I look at this, and I was trying to draw comparisons to other... All right, so really, I think that the PFF probably has Penn State, right? Uh, They have them about seven. Uh, The top 25 from the AP does as well. When you go over to Sports Illustrated, yeah. they have Penn State coming in at number four. And I just can't get behind that. Look, yeah. I, I like James Franklin. I think he's a tremendous coach. I would rather have James Franklin as my coach than Jim Harbaugh any day of the week at the college level. Um, I just – I can't trust Penn State. You're in and you're out. They have solid quarterback play, but they can never get over the hump. You're always behind Ohio State. You're always behind Michigan. And they just find a way in those close games, those big matchups, to lay an egg. And, and yep. I do not trust them being at number four. I, I don't I, – I, it just boggles my mind. That's the one that really stands out to me and bugs me the most. Uh, but the one I am really agree with, Florida State. I'm, Florida State, yeah. I, look, I – I think we're
1: on the same page here.
0: <laughs> they are so good, man. And tell me what you like most about the Seminoles. I like just how much
1: talent they're returning – and just how hungry they seem as oh, yeah. a program like they they are they're hungry to the point of desperation for success and i think that's the healthy kind of desperation mm-hmm. you're returning what was pro football focuses and this is probably why they're so high in the the pff rankings pro football focuses highest graded power 5 qb over the over all of last year in jordan travis and you get
0: jared verse back he's a dog man
1: i don't know like, how I, how did they get him to stay
0: i i Money. I I guess, look, they're saying you can improve your draft stock. You can rise. We can pay you about not probably on not necessarily on par, but pretty close to on par to what you would see from an NFL contract as a rookie. I think that really played in. I think if NIL and I could be totally wrong on this, but I feel like if NIL wasn't involved, he's in the NFL draft this year. That's just my opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would assume so as well. And just looking at what they return elsewhere, they've got uh, Trey Benson, a running back, coming back. He's great, forcing missed tackles. Uh, they've got Johnny Wilson, a wide receiver, who's very productive. And then uh, they're bringing in transfers to solidify the defense. It, it looks like they're going no stone unturned, and they're they are ready to be back to being on the national stage, which is, one, good for the ACC, and, two, good for the non-elitists out there like me.
0: Oh, so, so I feel like that was a shot across the bow, but you know, we'll just take that with a grain of salt. I, and look, this yeah, grain
1: of salt because they used to be an elite program, <laughs> and if they keep winning, they'll be back there, and I'll be annoyed with them very quickly.
0: So looking at the board here, you've got South Carolina up here, and you have Wisconsin to go along with Florida yeah. State. What are you looking at uh, when you see a program like uh, Wisconsin and Luke Fickle in his first season?
1: So Wisconsin came out number 24 uh, in the pro football focus list, and one – There's a trust level I have in Luke Fickle to be able to build and compete, even when the resources aren't necessarily necessarily there. But we were talking earlier today about how you have to win in the trenches. I don't know if there's better breeding ground for offensive linemen than Wisconsin. Probably not. They churn out 6'4 to 6'8", 300-pound white boys, farm boys, and they are just good. (laughs) And then you mix in how, frankly, at least up north, it seems like they are the old-school middle linebacker you. They've got the recipe for the quarterback on, of the defense and the nastiness in the trenches on offense. You put a coach like Luke Fickle over there. I just, I believe in them and their schedule is favorable. They are probably going to win the Big Ten West because it's a weak division and they get a lot of their tough games
0: at home. I'm intrigued to see on a recruiting front uh, what Luke Fickle can do at Wisconsin because you're obviously, it's a brand. You're it's a, in, in it's the about Big bringing
1: in the, good, the great skill. That's what he has to be able to do there.
0: And that, that's, that's why I think he has such a good track record in the state of Ohio. Like, if you can go in and you could steal some of those local kids and, and that, that might are considering Ohio state and even Cincinnati at one point in time, and you could bring them in. Because I think that's, that's the thing. You're going to have to find the skill players. Wisconsin's always going to have a running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quarterback is always hit and miss with them. They really, to me, other than, that is, other than Russ. I uh, mean,
1: for every coach is the key. you got to bring in good quarterbacks, but – like that good quarterbacks, probably good cornerbacks to compete with like the Ohio state yeah, wide receivers. You definitely have to
0: shut them down. You got to figure out something there. And I think those people like can do key that positions. Uh, I, I, look, I'm intriguing. I think Wisconsin, I've, they've always had, I've always had a soft spot for them. I love the way they play football. Um, they put every time they've lined up against LSU, they've given them hell. Uh, I just respect yeah. that program so much. And, and I, I think it's too, because they, they get overshadowed,
1: right? Yeah. Like, they get overshadowed easily, but, one of the programs that overshadows them, they get them at home. They get Ohio State at home. Uh, their other n- non uh, non division games are, I think, Rutgers and Indiana. So they're easy on that. Yeah. They're, they get Iowa at home. They get Nebraska at home. You know, there's going to be some hype around Nebraska this year. Yeah, they're like their toughest. So. Their toughest games are going to be like what at Minnesota to finish the year, at least f- as far as away games go, and at Illinois. They also have at Washington State yeah, early in the year, but like
0: Illinois, like they're. They're not even ranked. you got so they much going on. They lost their defensive on. coordinator like, to I, another school. Yeah, so, It was a cute story. You know? Yeah, and another cute story out there, South Carolina. I Look, all right, I'm going to say, South Carolina is fraudulent as hell. <laughs> year in and year out, they are fraudulent. Look, and I know people love Beamer Ball and everything they have going on. They are so inconsistent. I, like, I was trying to think of what Big 12 team to draw a comparison to, and the, the only one I can really think of is Iowa State. OK, you they're a team that you can't overlook. Both of these teams are teams you can't overlook year in and year out nine times out of 10 in a big game. They can push you, but they're going to find a way to lose it. They have in
1: they can so get weird in the because
0: quarterback I, here and there. But this ah. is really weird to me because I
1: don't like to be that. Well, the SEC is just better. And so SEC equals better. But I just don't view Iowa State as being on that same level. I, I like. If if you could make some amalgamation of Kansas State and Texas Tech, then I'd believe it. But I just don't see Iowa State as that. And I think Kansas State's a little more consistent and Texas Tech is a little more erratic.
0: But I think Kansas State is overall – I think, to me, in my mind, Kansas State's the overall better program than South Carolina oh, ever will
1: be. No, that's what I'm saying. Kansas State's too good. Yeah. Texas Tech is too bad to be yeah, South Carolina. Fair. And I just don't see Iowa State as being in the middle of those. That's fair. Because I maybe, maybe it's just me looking at the past too much, but I just – before Matt Campbell, it was Iowa State was not good, and with Matt Campbell, it's they're going to play hard, and
0: then they peaked. And, and look, and he's really probably on some thin ice here in the next couple of years. Yeah. But that, that that's a subject for another day. Point
1: is, South Carolina's schedule also does them no favors this year. I mean, like you you look and I I swear you could flip a coin for eight games on their schedule, right? Eight, and you want to tell me that they're supposed to be ranked when you can flip a coin for that many games on their schedule?
0: Yeah, and I look, I look. I don't trust Spencer Sanders either. I, like, I mean, that's just. I mean, Spencer Rattler. I do not trust Spencer Rattler. Going back to Oklahoma, I don't trust either of those two quarterbacks. Like, yeah, really, <laughs> I don't either. But still, it, it's just one of those things. I, I, they're always they're intriguing. I think people want South Carolina to be good. I, I would like to see them beat up on Clemson every time they play, uh, but that's just not realistic. Yeah, but you know, it, it's intriguing, but. That's the way too early top 25. Uh, you can debate it. There's multiple ones out there. You can go and look, do some comparisons, compare, contrast, and all that. And while that. we
1: would like the rankings to not happen until, like, I don't know, when conference play starts, it's not yeah, going to. Need, yeah. So we're going to have fun with the fact that these lists are just, out just here. Just take
0: advantage of it, run with it. It is what it is. But we're going to put a bow on this thing next, and we're going to do so talking basketball and Chris Always got to have at least one basketball. segment. got to have some segment. basketball, man. Loves me some basketball. So we're going to get to that next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie, Jacob Wilson here with you. And it is time to flip the script and go from football to basketball, Jack. And who does replace Chris Beard on the 40 Acres?
1: It could beat anyone, and I am scared of a bunch of them as a fan of another Big 12 team. <laughs> Even though they're going to leave, it makes me nervous because the names that are being thrown out there – I mean, it's everything from Mark View, Mark View Gonzaga, Sean Miller at Xavier, Matt Painter at Purdue, who, as as someone who grew up as a Purdue fan, right. scares me on many <laughs> fronts. Uh, Nate Oates at Alabama, John Calipari at Kentucky, Jerome Tang at Kansas State, Royal Ivy, who used to play for them. And uh, that's was an the assistant. One,
0: that's one that kind of caught me by surprise. I like Ivy.
1: Yeah. And then there, there are a couple others uh, Rodney Terry, obviously, the current interim. And then Will Wade, Eric Musselman, Chris Holtman, and Jamie Dixon. Like, You're hitting so many big names out there and a lot of uh, a lot of expensive buyouts and contracts.
0: There is. And I was watching. I watched a little bit of the Alabama Kentucky game on Saturday. And there was obviously a lot of conversation. And while while Calipari's name was brought up, the focus I felt like was more on Oates and rightfully so. I think when you see what he's been able to do to go in and take a traditional football powerhouse that the basketball program has been an afterthought for years and bring them to the forefront to where when Bama and Kentucky step on a court, it's Bama who is the ranked team. That speaks volumes to me. Um, I, I love what he's been able to do with that program. With Texas going into the SEC, I think that gives him the more more finances. I think Texas would throw more money into basketball than Alabama every, ever will. Texas just also seems
1: to more easily get top-level recruits oh, in basketball, yeah. which – and they play, this, they play a style that is catered to those top-level recruits. They play fast. They play frantic. They let guys go one-on-one, shoot crazy shots, pull up threes in transition. Like, Nate Oates has been having to draw guys of that caliber of recruit and that style to Bama. Right. It's going to be so, in my They're mind, so much easier at Texas. Yeah. So that's a good recipe for success. I'd say Nate Oates is almost the one they should go with. I but there, too. there are a couple other guys out there who who are definitely intriguing.
0: Okay, so run with that. You, you, Nate Oates, obviously, that's I think that's one of the top ones. Who are some of the other guys who really stand out to you? And when you look at this,
1: uh, Matt Painter, obviously, he's he knows how to win in the Big Ten, which is a it's a different beast to be fair. But that's the offense, the I offense know. he runs when he can get his guys who buy into his system. It, he like, they are one of the best offensive teams in the nation. They're consistently at the top of offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. Uh, he, got, he gets guys like Carson Edwards out of Texas, mm-hmm. and those are not the highest-rated guys no. in Texas. But he develops them and he develops them like them. that. So honestly, that's, that's probably my number one negative for Matt Painter in this job is does he get to choose his guys, or is it going to be pressure to, well, this top recruit's interested, so you kind of got to take them.
0: Kind of like a Shaka smart situation. Yeah.
1: Because they did that to
0: Shaka. Absolutely They did. absolutely
1: did that to Shaka. Um, otherwise, uh, I'd probably say we'll, we'll get to Ivy and, and Terry uh, probably at the end right. because they've got those UT connections. Right. I think the biggest rumor out there has been John Calipari. And I do not like that. I don't like it for Texas. I don't like it for Kentucky. I don't like it for Calipari. I don't like it for anybody. I don't like it for anybody. But there is a level on which it makes sense. I think that re- recruiting to Kentucky right now after this sustained period of I wouldn't say failure they just they haven't been a top top level team lately. I think it makes sense. I think Texas could reinvigorate Perry, essentially.
0: But for how long? Okay. Yes, see see I think it makes question. sense from when you look at Texas and how they go about their coaching searches in every sport. It's it's instead of a fit it's the splash. It's the name. It's the look at me now. Ooh, look at me. And Calipari will give you that, right? Yeah. But I think that his track record speaks for itself. Like, okay, you might win one national championship. You're going to have so much scrutiny. You're going to have violations. You're going to have egos everywhere. And it's going to be a disaster within five years. Is that something you really... I wouldn't necessarily really, say a
1: disaster, but you are going to fall off. You're going to fall off. And who knows if you're ever going
0: to get back. I, I don't
1: trust the man. He honestly seems, and I, I don't mean anything just, like very offensive when I say this, but seems like he's coasting at Kentucky. He just seems like he's coasting. Did you see the
0: the sign last night?
1: <laughs> I did not see the sign, but you did send me some. This tweet. is one of the
0: fun, funniest things I've ever seen. So, a fan at the Kentucky game last night has a sign held up that says, "Please go to Texas," and in the bluegrass fashion of the basketball haven, they take this poor guy and they escort him out of the arena. Like, dude, come but on! Like, was it, was that a Texas fan or was that a Kentucky fan who's just
1: kind of fed up and wants change? Because I think, you know, I think Texas, a Kentucky. Fan. I think Texas fans will quickly get there. They might have three to five years of great success, but do they win a title?
0: And do I, they get tired of him quickly? I think they could, and and that's the thing. That's that's the risk reward. I think they possibly could win one title with Calipari, but I think after that, it's going to be a complete disaster because that's what we've seen. Year in and year out through that man's career.
1: Yeah, the last two outside candidates I really want to look at before we get to Ivy and Terry are probably Jerome Tang and Jamie Dixon. A pair of Big Twelve coaches, a pair of coaches who are on the upswing right now. Obviously, Tang—it's his first year in a head coaching job, and Kansas State's what three and and0 in conference. Yep. He knows how to win national championships. He won one two years ago with Baylor, and he is building his own program in his own way and. It it would be a smart hire to get a guy early on in his head coaching career. I don't think he leaves though. I think frankly Baylor is the only job he would leave his current job at and that in year 1. In yeah. year 1. He'll I, move on eventually, but
0: I think there's just too much Outside noise at a program like Texas for somebody like Tang,
1: yeah, because Jamie this,
0: Dixon, Jamie Dixon would do it. I, I, I think he would definitely go. But look, and I think when you look at Tang, obviously it's the success he's had. It's also the way he went into Texas and just. Beat the brakes off of them. <laughs> yeah. Look, I know Texas put up 103, but still, that was a historic offensive performance for for the Wildcats. And he, you know, this is a guy who knows the state, who knows the recruiting grounds. He would definitely love to come back for the food. You know, he's pitching yeah. he's his his love for for the the food here and and having a an TB It's definitely beneficial. But I, I'm with you. I think if he does leave Kansas State, I think it's a perfect job for him. It's a it's small. It's a it's a sound culture. He can do what he wants to do on his own terms and it's a great family atmosphere now
1: looking in-house Rodney Terry's the one I want to start with because he's the current interim head, absolutely interim head coach and frankly I think stuff could have probably fallen apart pretty quick but I don't doubt Texas is going to be competitive for the rest of the year they should I think be. They Terry's have got a good handle on it and I think that their culture is a sketchy term with any coach and any coaching staff, uh-huh. and especially yeah. schools like Texas. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if they feel like they have a culture that they were building under Beard, regardless of any crimes he committed outside of his job, right? the culture of the program and of the players, if they like the direction that's heading, then Terry's a guy who should get very strong consideration because he seems like he is so far running the ship decently. We'll see how the season plays out, but that's my take.
0: I, I just feel like with him, while he can write the ship and he can he can stabilize the program right now, I don't think he gives that mm-hmm. that that Texas fans and, and really the the Regents and everybody. Like are, it's too
1: big of an opportunity exactly. for Texas.
0: Like I think they want somebody, they want a splash. And I think that when, when you look at a guy like Mark Few, he brings that. And when you look at the talent and what he's been able to do at Gonzaga for so long, and you talk about recruiting and getting people out of nowhere, I mean, he's taking guys that you wouldn't expect and, and sending them up to Gonzaga and developing them. And if you put him in a place like Texas where everybody's just given to him, like all the talent in the world is given to him with his coaching ability and his sound culture, I think he would be, he could do a lot of damage there. And this is a guy who is, he's, he's coached against the Big 12. Regularly, he's coaching with everybody, but I think he does. He fits in. He's got a good relationship. I feel like with Drew and a lot yeah. of the other coaches in the. And that's obviously a program too in Gonzaga that is being thrown in the mix as a, a future Big Twelve representative. I think he would be a great fit in Austin. I just, I, I don't know. Liam. He, I, I, from a coaching standpoint, he'd be a great fit. I don't think his personality is what would work there, though.
1: I don't. I don't think he's fiery enough. No no offense to him. Honestly, I just think he's too nice of a guy he for for, for being it on the forty acres. And I also feel like he is very much taken on his back the challenge of winning a championship at Gonzaga. And I don't think he leaves before yeah, I think, he wins I it or, or gets fired. I completely and agree. And he's with not that. gonna get fired. So he's gonna he's gonna stay at Gonzaga until he wins a national championship. The last candidate I wanna kinda highlight though. Royal Ivy, former UT player from 2000 to 2004. He had a 10-year professional career, kind of an NBA journeyman. And then he, uh, among other coaching jobs after his career finished, he was most recently an assistant with the Nets before taking over the South Sudan National Basketball Team. He was endorsed by Kevin Durant, I believe. That'll go for, a long his way. job. But again, I don't think it's flashy enough.
0: I, I don't either.
1: And like, this is one of those candidates who I think would be very smart to strongly consider, which means he's, Texas he, he, which will means not.
0: just throw them to the side. Cause that's not what they're going to He's got to
1: get college coaching experience somewhere else. Yeah. That's what I feel like Texas would say. I,
0: the, there's a couple on here that really intrigued me. And I, I think Sean Miller is one where that's a name. That's a guy who can win. I think he's got the, the personality to deal with the people in Texas. Um, Obviously, you got the cloud over you from Arizona and everything, but, hell, Bill Self does. Boykin does. Everybody's got that. I think he would be a guy who would be a lethal fit there. I don't know if they would necessarily do it. He's He's gone into Xavier, and that was a program where traditionally they're always good. They were kind of falling off a little bit, and he's really got them playing you know Xavier basketball again. That's one that's really intriguing. Uh, Will Wade, jobless right now. i He's there a good just, basketball there so coach. There's just so, there so much, many man, names out there. I, I just, I, I don't feel like it. the one that's not on here that is intriguing, and I don't think would happen. Kelvin Sampson, I think Ooh, he's, yes, he's, he's perfect. I can't believe I
1: forgot to put that on the list. But
0: man, I, look, he can do everything he could do at Texas. He can do He'll in do Houston, Houston,
1: and he's already doing it. So
0: why, why mess with that? But that was just something intriguing. So that,
1: that would be very intriguing. It's good that you mentioned it.
0: Looking right now. All right, so look, let's. Let's put a bow on this. You pick one guy off this list. Who's the coach of Texas?
1: Nate Oates. Nate Oates. Nate Oates.
0: I would have to agree. And, and, and if I'm doing a tie close to Sean Miller, I really feel like that's one to keep an eye on. But I, I agree with you. I think if I had to pick one, I'm definitely going with Nate Oates. And, you know, that might open up a Sean Miller to Bama. Yeah. It could be.
1: Who knows? Anyway, thanks uh, for hanging through another basketball segment here on Crystal (laughs) Ball College Football on our College Chaos Pod. Obviously, uh, we post our college basketball segments to the uh, 365 College Basketball YouTube channel. So uh, go check that out. We'll have it linked uh, somewhere in the description or something.
0: Also, don't forget, go check out 365 Sports on YouTube. We have an array of – Tremendous guests that come on there day in and day out with Smokey, Paul, and Craig.
1: 3 to 6 p.m., Monday to Friday.
0: Uh, you also got the BearCast, which we are going live now with the BearCast. Yes, uh, it's
1: our Baylor-specific podcast. It uh, covers Baylor football and Baylor basketball, some Baylor women's basketball. It'll probably hit baseball when that season rolls around, but they really stick to recruiting football and men's basketball. And that, that uh, has its home on the Sikkim 365 YouTube channel. So, for those of you who think we're too big of Baylor homers, don't worry. It's <laughs> in its own
0: home. If you like the Shield and you like the NFL, don't forget to check out my man Jacob Wilson. And it's shooting the Shield, which they do on Tuesday nights. Uh, we typically do it on Tuesday nights. But uh, we're going to go live tonight. should be around 630. Um, but, yeah, it's me, Tanner Carlson. Emery sits in this seat right here uh, just talking NFL. Going to be talking about the playoffs and uh, doing our fun little recast segment. Oh, and uh, I just had to throw in a little tidbit about Texas basketball for you guys. Absolutely. They've, they haven't been to the Sweet 16 since 2008. <laughs> they haven't Ooh. been to the Final Four since 2003, and they've never won a national championship. Ooh, dropping the heat there. That's Jacob Wilson. But that's going to do it for today. We appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget to go like, subscribe, catch us wherever you get your podcasts. But this has been the College Chaos Podcast. <laughs>